Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. We're a podcast about board games where we have opinions and conclusions formed on the basis of incomplete information. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is brought to you by these great Saskatoon businesses. Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street, Dragon's Den Games on 8th Street, and Breakout Escape Rooms on Faithful Avenue. Hello, hello, hello. How's it going, eh? This is What You've Been Playing Wednesday, and this is a special weekly episode that's a compilation of all the board games that we've been playing recently. And contributing on this episode are... Friday Night Games. The Tabletop Bellhop. Definitely a board game podcast. Cabri. The Meeple Dungeon. Dice and Dragons, and Cardboard Conjecture. Remember to check out the show notes for links to all the content of the What You've Been Playing Wednesday cast. So sit back, relax, and we're not responsible for the impact to your wallet. But we'll still say sorry, eh? What up, gamers? I'm Jason. I'm Julie, and together we're Dice and Dragons. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram at Dice and Dragons, and Twitter at Dice and Dragon. So what is this segment, Jason? This is What You've Been Playing Wednesdays, and today we're actually doing a little bit of a deeper dive into Marvel Champions, the galaxy's most wanted. Now, we had some other stuff that we wanted to do. We ran out of time, actually, and we're going to be doing something new on the channel, so you'll definitely want to check that out on Thursday. So the day after this is released, we're going to be doing our first discussion video, and we're going to be talking about licensed games. How do you make a great licensed game? And, well, we're playing one right now. So, Julie, what do you think of Galaxy's Most Wanted now that we've done some deck building and gone away from those pre-constructed nightmare decks? Yeah, so when we first played this one, we talked about it last week, we had just played the first... or first, Two scenarios. First two scenarios, uh, and then we played the third scenario with the cards out of the box again, the, the deck. And uh, I think we only won that one because I made a mistake. I actually think we... We should have lost that last round, but we were probably about one round away from winning. But in any case, we were playing with the pre-constructed decks, which is basically playing with a handicap. <laughs> yeah, Jason was much more upset about it than I was. Like, you know, some things really bug me more than, than they bug Jason. But in this case, this was really bothering him. So before we continued the campaign, the next two campaigns, uh, we rebuilt the deck. Uh, we did some deck building, which is the first time we've done any deck building with Marvel Champions. Yeah, we typically only play the base game because, well, the base product, being reviewers, we're always moving on to the next product. We love collecting it. And with a little guy in the house, we really haven't had the time to just go and play with some decks. But it became quite clear to us that we were not getting through this campaign without Well, I, I think boosts. we could have gotten through it. Through it. Uh, no, there's there's no question. Looking at, we've got it set up right now. We're jumping in right after playing this. We basically had to do a ton of damage to Ronin on the last <laughs> rounds, or we would have lost because we've got three side schemes out and we're about to lose. I am Groot. <laughs> yes. I, I just, I think there's a chance with Nebula. I'll give you that. I just don't think there was any way we'd get through Ronin. Yeah, Groot just did 32. I was lucky and pulled uh, two of his 
big cards and had built it up enough uh, with my uh, growth tokens that I was able to do 32 damage to uh, Ronan in one uh, in one uh, round. So Yes, in one turn, and I luckily got rid of his tough status card and did the other four damage. So we literally had the exact damage to take him out the moment he flipped into his second form, which was pretty cool, actually, I have to say. I mean, I, I've i enjoyed playing this. Uh, I definitely think it's better when you uh, can build the deck up a little bit. And, and you know, maybe that's something that we, uh, uh, you know, if somebody's interested, you know, come talk to us on, uh, on Instagram, Facebook, uh, or even comment on our video on YouTube. And, you know, we can discuss what we did to the deck, uh, what we felt was a good way to do the deck. And it's actually, it's helped us because against both uh, Nebula and Ronan, it's made the game uh, not easy, but easier. I, I have to say Nebula went down pretty, pretty badly. I It was pretty ridiculous how easy she was with the changes to, to the deck. Uh, we... The main change that we did with regards to group was adding in uh, Perseverance, which basically let him always have a tough status card. Uh, we threw in a couple of allies to block damage as well as uh, allies that allow you to stun enemies. And that just gave Groot the opportunity to really build up his growth tokens. And once we got the Power Stone from Nebula, there was just... She wasn't getting it back, which was really cool. And what did you do to Rocket? Because I tweaked Groot's deck, and Julie was on the tweaked Rocket's deck. Uh, I I just added a little bit more uh, damage cards, um, and I also added some resources in because he doesn't have any resources, uh, really. There, so those cards that uh, allow you basically double resource for aggression uh, in his case, because he has an aggression deck. Yeah. So to really let it let you use into the fray. And, you know, get some extra threat reduction without having to use something like uh, looking for trouble and keep pulling a minion into your face that just uh, bogs the game down as well. Yeah. I mean, you're not Thor. I kind of think that those looking for trouble cards should should be in Thor's deck because he just draws more cards when minions show up. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that I also uh, want to say is the cards like Perseverance, also uh, Moments of Triumph with Allowed Rocket to Heal, we're in the decks, well, they're in the uh, extra card decks for the Wasp and Ant-Man. And looking at those cards and the way they're designed, it feels like they were designed for these two characters, but then put into an expansion to encourage people maybe to buy those uh, those cards. I don't know if that's one of the things that we're going to see going forward in Marvel Champions, but... It's not going to affect us. We collect everything, but it could definitely affect... For this, we don't yeah. collect everything. We collect everything Marvel Champions. Yes, we collect everything Marvel Champions. But it could affect players that are trying to, you know, just get some of their favorite characters when the best cards are in packs that you may want to avoid. I think we'll end up Thursday talking about the differences between Marvel Uni uh, United and Marvel Champions. I think Marvel United has its place, but uh, it actually is no longer on our shelf. But It no longer has a place on our shelf. No... Jackson's just a little too young for that. Now, I think we've covered everything that we really want to say about Marvel Champions. I don't have anything that I want to add. Do you want to add anything, Julie? I think we really talked about it. So, in summary, solid campaign, difficulties right, build your own decks, and you're going to have a lot more fun. Also, if you want my suggestion for some fun, 
try Spider-Woman because the moment we started stunning people and we didn't even confuse anyone, I can only imagine her dual aspect deck of aggression and justice with a lot of thwart power and the ability to basically constantly stun and confuse the villains that you would actually maybe just kind of walk through this campaign, at least on standard. Yeah, I think it would be fun. So on that note, Julie. Uh, so again, remind people you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and it's time to remind people to keep playing games. Hi, we're Matt and John, and we're Friday Night Games. Find us on Instagram at Friday Night Games Official, Twitter at Friday Night GMS, and on our website at FridayNight.Games. What game do we play this week, John? A War of Whispers, published by Starling Games and designed by Jeremy Stolfus. A two to four player strategy game where you play as one of four whispers, raven, spider, rat, or serpent. You are trying to manipulate your hidden chosen empire to win over the most cities at the end of the game. Empires consist of wolf, horse, lion, eagle, and elephant. Man, that sounds like a really famous TV show. Or maybe a fantasy novel. Uh, you, are you thinking Star Wars? Or maybe. are you thinking Mickey Mouse? Oh, man, Lord of the Rings. Oh, okay, sweet. <laughs> uh, at the beginning of the game, players secretly choose which house they want to win. How many points they will receive for conquered cities at the end of the fourth round. The player with the most points at the end of the game wins. The game is played over four rounds. Each round, players will remove one agent and then deploy two. In a two-player game, you will deploy three. Agents are deployed to different council roles within an empire. Uh, going around the board in clockwise order, the game will play out the actions of the agents. These could be recruiting more troops for an empire, drawing more powerful cards for an empire, attacking another empire by moving troops or swapping your council position. Another neat mechanic is if a seat is empty before your agent seats, you can play that out like it's yours. As the rounds go on, you get more and more agent turns and the game gets really, really complicated. At the end of the first three rounds, you could also swap two secretly chosen houses by revealing them to all players. This can allow for you to pick a true winner later on. All right. So what did we like about the game, Matt? Uh, so myself, I really liked how the turns got more and more complicated and players started revealing who they chose to win as the game went on. Early on, I felt like you didn't really have any idea. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I also liked how the games were short. Uh, once you learn how to play the game, the game is no longer than an hour. And I thought the theme was awesome. I really like how it really hit uh, Star Wars. I mean, Mickey Mouse. <laughs> I mean, Game of. Th I mean, Lord of the Rings. Oops, I said it. Game of Thrones. It really hits the Game of Thrones theme. Did you see that? Have you Have you seen Game of Thrones? Yeah, yeah, I've seen Game of Thrones. Okay. Did you Did you obviously you noticed that? It's you know, spider yeah, similar to the houses and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, I like how strategic it could have been, especially uh, when you try to place an agent, uh, try to figure out what moves you're going to make. I also like how you can place an agent just to mess up the empire. Um, you could you can mess up the empire by attacking like stronger areas. So I can put my my agent in um, maybe an empire that I'm not playing as and then use that empire to attack to kind of lose its uh, like troops out on the battlefield. Well, I'm going to tell you what I didn't like. 
I didn't like how Novi just beat us so easily. <laughs> yeah, I find that Novi like just gets these games a lot, and you know he's like in the background just strategizing. And just Are you trying us to say without he, us knowing? Trying to say he's a master of whispers? Maybe. No, I think he is. He did win both games. Although the second game, I tied him, but he had more uh, cards in his hand, so he won. I was like, ah. Yeah, I don't think I understood the strategy right away. Um, so I think that hindered the, uh, when I played with you guys. Um, I couldn't really figure out what I wanted to do right away. Um, and I think I just had a kind of started to go with the flow at the end of the game. And I was like, I didn't really make my moves properly to uh, to get the most points, I guess, at the end of the game. Yeah, I, I noticed two emerging strategies. One was to get cards. Um, and the cards are really powerful because they let you do things. Uh, you actually had super powerful cards when you played your game. I just, you didn't, we didn't really understand how to use it. Um, it basically let you uh, paratroop anywhere on the map, mm-hmm. <laughs> which was super powerful. In fact, it was so powerful. Uh, later on, Kevin used it to paratroop <laughs> and almost won the game doing it. But me and there Novi. Me and Novi had the same uh, empires secretly chosen, and that kind of so we started working together. We kind of knew that we both chose the same empire. We both really liked the uh, I think it was the Elephant Empire. We're really trying to help it win. Um, cool. Oh, I d- I did notice something though about the game is that it doesn't play as well if everyone chooses the same empire, and that happened our second game. So myself, Novi, and Kevin had two of the three empires where so at the end of the game you score points based on the number of cities each empire has control over, which are placed in a rank on your board. So the first ranked uh, empire, if they control four cities, you might get four times the number of, four, four times the number of cities and points that they control. So if they control four cities and you get four points per city, you get 16 points. And so in the game with me, Novi, and Kevin... We actually all had the same city as our ranked number one. So it messed Crazy. up the game. Yeah, it messed up the game. Yeah. But if everyone chooses differently and there's four players playing it, then I think it definitely plays out really crazy. It's a really crazy game of risk is what you're playing. <laughs> so. so, John, do we play it wrong at all? Uh, yeah, I mean, there are not a lot of rules, um, but each rule kind of is very complicated to understand right away yeah attacking was not very obvious um i really wish the rule book had more examples of attacking uh in the first game we kind of messed it up a bit we didn't realize that you still control a territory um so basically every empire has uh, a boundary of color that they control and you don't need to have a troop there to control it. So when you move into an, another territory you don't control, you could actually move all your all your troops without leaving a single troop. You could actually move all your troops and leave no troop to defend. But we didn't think that the first game, so I don't know. It played out slightly different, but the second game we noticed attacking was a lot more strategic. Like if I wanted to mess up an empire, I could go in there, move all the troops out <laughs> of, say the elephant empire and then all of a sudden the eagle empire can invade and you're like oh man now i know Mm -hmm. you want that group to lose right so yeah all right we are matt and john and we're friday night games you can find us on instagram at friday night games underscore official twitter at friday night gms 
and our website at FridayNight.games. Hello and welcome to the Tabletop Bellhop segment of What You've Been Playing Wednesday. I am Mo Tuzano, the Tabletop Bellhop, your cardboard concierge, answering your gaming and game night questions and striving to make everyone's gaming experience better. You can find me at TabletopBellhop.com and all over the internet and social media as Tabletop Bellhop, one word. If you've got a gaming or game night question for me to answer, send that question to questions at TabletopBellhop.com or visit the webpage and click on Ask the Bellhop. Of course, the question I'm answering tonight is what you've been playing this past week. This is now two weeks in a row that I've gotten some actual physical games played at my actual physical game table. Let's hope this trend continues on in the coming weeks. Up first, I've got Machi Koro, Bright Lights, Big City, off my pile of shame. Now, I'm a huge fan of Valeria Card Kingdoms and Space Base, and I've really wanted to try some version of Machi Koro, as all of those games share a similar base system. Now, this is a Target-exclusive version of Machi Koro that includes cards from the base game, as well as some cards from two of the expansions, Millionaire's Row and The Harbor. I had heard this was the best version of Machi Koro yet released. That is until Machi Koro Legacy came out, but I didn't want to get involved in a full Legacy game. I figured this would be a good first Machi Koro experience for me. Now, my first thought about this game is that I'm very pleased to see that it stands out in many ways from the other games. I've discovered that all of the three of these games, Space Base, Machi, and Valeria, despite having a lot of similarities, actually feel very different at the table. Now here's some of the things that I think stick out for Machi Koro in particular. For one, you don't start with every number in your tableau, which could mean starting the start of the game could involve a number of rows with no one getting anything. So that's a little bit of a change, and we did find that it was a little bit of a slow ramp up, but once it got going, things went nice and smoothly. Now you also only start with rolling one die, with the ability to unlock more dice later. And with those dice, in Machi, unlike the other two games, you always total your dice. Now the market in Bright Light's Big City is split into powerful landmarks and regular cards, and those are split into two different sets, number one to six or seven or more. And I enjoyed that because until you've unlocked two dice, you don't really need the seven or more cards. All that said, the big thing that I found really set Machi Koro apart from both Space Base and Valeria was the take that nature of the game. Machi Koro features a high number of screw your neighbor cards. These include all the red cards and some purple landmark cards. Now red cards hurt one opponent, whereas the purple cards hurt all your opponents. What this ends up leading to is a lot of back and forth and money changing hands throughout the game. An interesting side effect of this is that you often will want to spend every coin you earn just so no one can steal it from you between your turns. Now a final observation I have about Machi Koro Bright Light's Big City is the fact we quadrupled the game time on the box during this play. It says it's a 30 minutes game, but it took us over two hours. Now, I think the problem here was the fact we played two players. And what that meant with the keep that, take that nature of the game is we just kept passing our money back and forth and spending it all cheap quickly and not being able to afford those higher cost cards that would have ended the game sooner. So far, I think Machikoro is my least favorite of these roll for resource games, but I'm looking forward to trying it with more players and seeing if that improves the gameplay and more importantly, shortens that excessive playtime. 
Next up, I finally got the Quacks of Quedlinburg to the table. And yes, you all know this already. This game is great. What's the most interesting to me about this game, though, is how different it was from what I thought it was going to be. I've watched people playing Quacks at local gaming events, and it's always been a very loud game with people pulling things out of bags, shouting, cursing, groaning, and cheering. Based on those reactions of the people playing, I actually thought this was more of a party game with a much higher random factor. Much more like other typical push-your-luck-style games like, say, Dead Man's Draw. What I didn't realize until playing is just how deep this game is and how much agency the players have while playing. While playing Quacks, you know exactly what's in your bag. There's only one ingredient that can cause your pot to explode, and if you're paying attention, you know the odds of drawing that one. It also means at the start of the round, everyone's going to get to pull a number of chips with no chance of blowing up at all. It's only after multiple pulls that the push-or-luck push element comes into play. And you know what? It's perfectly viable to just play it safe. This all makes the game much more engaging and deeper than I expected. Finally, my last game this week was a play of Dungeons & Dragons Adventure Begins with my kids. This time we took on the Green Dragon Deathsleep. Now, I just did up a full review of this game on our last podcast that went live yesterday and over on the blog, and I encourage you to check out those if you want my full thoughts on this game. What I will say here is that we found the biggest problem with this game, besides the fact people can play it mechanically, and it's just not that good that way, which isn't a problem for my girls, they get totally into the storytelling, but it's a lack of item cards included in the game. This was very evident in this last play. We were doing really well in the game, getting lucky with encounters that gave us items, and we didn't feel the need to do many side quests. Actually, we only did one, the entire thing. And we still ran out of items before getting to the last board. And that's playing with three players and not four. We also had a ton of gold left over at the end of the game, which means nothing in the game. Though I do think it might be an interesting house rule to use that as a way to keep score. Whoever has the most gold uh, wins. Now, I have no idea how well this game's doing for Hasbro and Woods of the Coast. But I would love to see an expansion with a new set of maps, cards, and baddies, hero options, and most importantly, more items. Like This should be a really easy game to expand, and they can even do it with small packs. Like one new character with their tiles and mini in the d20, or a new baddie to face with a new board section, a new standee, a deck of cards, henchmen, and all that. Or just a pack of items, or an additional encounter cards for the existing maps. I would welcome all of these. Though I do hope they would increase their quality control if publishing more content for Adventure Begins. Well, that's all I've got for this week. Find lots more gaming content at TabletopBellhop.com. And be sure to check out the Tabletop Bellhop Gaming Podcast, which we record live Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern on Twitch, with edited episodes showing up on your podcatcher early Tuesday mornings. For the Tabletop Bellhop Gaming Podcast, I am Mo Tuzno, the Tabletop Bellhop. Good night, and game on. And I'm Royce Calverly. And we are definitely a board game podcast. Podcast definitely about board games, except when they're not. And we are back with another What You've Been Playing Wednesday. How come I never get to do the We Are Definitely Board Game Podcast part? Because I'm the host and you're the expert. And that's just the way it goes. Oh. <laughs> you get paid okay. more. You get paid more than I do.
wait, 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 you get paid. <laughs> Let's not get into that right now. Look, <laughs> I want to talk about the games I've been playing on Wednesday. And uh, this is one I discovered on Board Game Arena. And I loved it immediately. So I actually went out and bought a copy because I think this will be a fun one to play with the wife and the mother. And it's called King Domino. Came out in 2016. Bruno Cathala, Blue Orange Games. If you haven't played it, King Domino is a perfect, uh, a perfect name for this game. You're essentially laying down tiles like dominoes. Instead of numbers, they have terrains on them and you have to match up the terrain. And if you can string along a bunch of terrains with crowns on them, you get points. Uh, and also the way you pick up new tiles is uh, dependent on your position on the on the turn on the turn style. I don't know what you'd call it, but basically uh, you have to choose uh, what your position is going to be based on lowest number to highest number. So if you pick a tile that is a high number, chances are it's going to be better for you, which means next time you're going to be last to choose. And yeah, exactly. Might, right. The person might. who picks the best tile is likely going to be the last person in the next choice. Yeah. yeah, but it's not always the case. Sometimes the tile you need is right there, right in the middle, and you luck out and you get it and you get to be second next time. So it all depends on what you need and which direction you're going in. Really like this one. It's very fast. It's two to four players, 15 minutes. Uh, it plays really well on Board Game Arena. So I'm looking forward to getting this one to the table and giving it a try there. So that's what I've been playing on Wednesday, Royce. I, I just want to say I really think that it's interesting how Board Game Arena has changed some of our gaming habits. This is not a game I would ever have wanted to play. Oh, really? Was, I had no interest in it whatsoever, and I played it seven times in the last few months because it's on Board Game Arena, because it's fast, because it's easy to teach. Yeah. And it's a good game. I, I have some issues with it and on the whole, but as a, it's not a bad game at all. It's a fun little experience on board game arena. So yeah, neat. Good choice. Yeah. I like it. What's what's your biggest issue with the game? My biggest issue with the game is I have, I believe the black properties are too powerful yeah. and unless people intentionally hate draft to make sure that nobody gets more than one or two of them, you will end up in a situation where whoever gets those black properties will probably win the game. Yeah, I've noticed that too, yeah. That's true. Yeah. yeah. You really have to be aware of who's taken a black property and make sure they don't get more than two maybe. Yeah. So now we need to figure out a way to win with the other terrains. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's maybe I'm just bad at it. Who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. I, I hate almost to say it because I always hate when people say, "Oh, this game is broken." Like I got to think the designer put a lot more thought in it. And it's Bruno Cathala. Bruno Cathala has designed so many games. He knows what he's doing. Would he possibly have let this broken game through? Well, I think so. But I hate when people say it, so I kind of hate saying it myself. Fair enough. All right, let's see if you can do better. What you've been playing on Wednesday? Well, I also am playing a relatively light little game. No, actually, I'm not. I'm lying. <laughs> you never play those. I am playing a game called Mini Express. Oh, what's that? So Mini Express is a train game by Mark Garretts. I like trains. Uh, Medias Game Design. It's a company out of Taiwan. Uh, it was published in 2020. It is a... I almost want to think of it as like an 18xx light. Oh, okay. It definitely has some of that stock element. You are trying to get the, mo the highest value in dollars at the end of the game. You are building trains, but it all comes down to just two actions. Hmm. You either take a stock 
and increase the number of trains that company has, or you put trains out onto the board and make those stocks cheaper to buy. Hmm. Okay. And that's all you're doing. And then at the end of the game, you check influence in the four different uh, goods that are being transported versus how well you have built out those trains versus times the number of stocks you have. So if you're influence, if you're first in the influence, you get a certain number of points for this company at this level, and you get that many points per stock. Like I said, just two actions. Hmm. What makes it really, really cool is every time you do an action, you are helping the other person. Hmm. You're either giving them cheaper stocks or you are giving them more trains to be able to place out to help their companies. So you got to make a decision. And every time yeah. it's, I need to do this. Oh, but I don't want to do this because <laughs> you're going to be the better. But I have to do this, but I can't do this, but I have to. Oh, what am I going to do? And sometimes games have one or two moments like that in the game. And those one or two moments are the moments that are like amazing. Almost every turn in this game is, ah, what am I going to do? Because if I do this, I help you. But if I don't help you, I'm not going to help myself. Ah, what do I do? And when we finished playing for the first time, Grace turned to me and she said, huh, I think I was too conservative. I was too worried about hurting you or helping you. And I actually ended up hurting myself. And mm. she's right. She lost solely because she was too concerned about helping me. And she was taking suboptimal moves because she knew the optimal move would help me too much. And that that tension is so fantastic. It's quick. It only plays in about an hour. It plays really well with two players. It, I would love to try it with more someday when COVID is over. But it really is an excellent game. I really enjoyed Mini Express. I like how I say King Domino is quick at 15 minutes and he says Mini Express is quick at an hour. <laughs> Some of us last longer than others. <laughs> On that note, <laughs> if you ever want to check us out, you can always find us anywhere podcasts live. Definitely a board game podcast, Spotify podcast, Apple podcasts, and iHeartRadio and all that stuff. If you ever want to talk to us, definitelybored at gmail.com, at board definitely on Twitter, at definitely board on Facebook. We're, every, we're so easy to find, so easy to listen to. You really, there's, there's, no, there's no excuse uh, why you shouldn't, so... <laughs> Well, there's one excuse. Maybe they just don't want to. Well, that's and that's the only excuse. Can't blame them for that too much. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, all right. If that's how you feel, then we're going to go. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye, everybody. <laughs>
early on, it's very important to negotiate and join individuals um, together. So I could ask Ilya to join me in a mission so that we could actually complete the mission. And uh, then hopefully we would like split, we would agree on how we want to split the loot. And um, you just go from there. The uh, you can buy cards at the end of the turn, make your deck a little bit mm -hmm. stronger. But at the same time, like there are going to be more and more difficult challenges that still make it important to negotiate having more people join you in completing that contract. And I think yeah. the neat aspect of this deck builder is that typically, in many of the deck builders that I've played, you draw a hand of cards and you play that whole hand of cards. But here you only technically can play one card, yeah. but there is a type of cards that give you action, that give you more actions to play. Yeah. So you, if you play that card, you get two more actions. So you want to keep playing those cards, have cards that draw you cards, and that whole combination makes it really interesting. Yes, yeah, it's cool because you basically end up. I mean, obviously there are other things that you can do, like you can buy ship parts that will give you more actions, that will uh, decrease the cost of contracts, etc. But yeah, it is really interesting because you start with one action on your turn and you have to basically play to create this chain reaction. And unfortunately, it doesn't go your way all the time. No. Nope. So it's a lot, of, but it's a lot of fun. Yes. I will say that for a game where there is negotiation and the potential to really mess people up by doing some tomfoolery and not promising to succeed on a contract that you have, is not always my favorite type of game, but um, with this game in particular, you don't have to necessarily focus on the contracts or like, sorry, you together. don't have to focus yeah. on working together, um, but it does definitely help. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and like I think the only part I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan of the game is there are, because there's also objectives you can get that help you get those points. And one of the objectives, for example, is to make sure you go on a mission and it fails. So I can agree with, to go and help Tyler, but then when it comes to me playing my cards, I can be like, I'm not gonna play anything, sucks to suck. Yeah. So that's not always fun. I don't particularly enjoy those types of games because there could be some bad faith. But overall, it's a great game, really like it. Yeah, and of course, if you play with the right people, it's always gonna be a fun time, Yeah, no matter what game you play. Very true. So how about Santa Monica? So it was our first time playing Santa Monica. This game is published by Alderac and designed by Josh Wood. Uh, essentially, you're on the Santa Monica beach and you're trying to build it out, uh, add some like stores that are beachside, and have some visitors go and certain like playing beach volleyball and that kind of stuff. But the premise, the whole premise of the game is it's kind of um, top, not top placement. It's like a deck. You have you select cards and build out your beach. Yeah. So yeah. And as your beach gets bigger, you you are able to get either people or sand dollars, and then you can use those to take other cards and essentially move people in the right spots. Because if if people are in these special circles, you get a certain amount of points. Um, and there's various scoring conditions as well that vary game to game that allow you to either focus on a certain type of building or having people in these specific spots or having a certain type of land. Um, but it's generally really fun. It plays pretty fast. There's only one, the game ends after you play 12 cards, yeah. so... 14. 14? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I think 14. But it's... I think I would call it like a card drafting, um, like, set collection. Yeah. So That's you, a good way to Because you basically want to collect things that give you more and more points based mm -hmm. on um, the slight asymmetric play that they have by the, which starting beach you get. 
Um, so that's really interesting um, to go with. And yeah, the moving of people is really neat. Uh, the spending of shells is also really neat because you can get more benefit by spending money on uh, the actions that are available to you. So there's so many ways to get points. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's the really the kicker of the game is that you can really focus on whatever you want but still win. Yeah. So you don't okay. always yeah. have to focus on absolutely everything, but you can really mm -hmm. narrow it down to a certain type of uh, points. Yeah. But in general, it's like, it plays pretty quick. It's absolutely beautiful. The art and it's kind of like pastel-y colors. It's super nice to the eye. And right now it snowed for us yesterday, <laughs> so it was nice to go to the beach instead. Yeah, yeah beach vibes are always nice. Hmm. But that's the two games we've been playing this week. And again, mm -hmm. we're Ilya and Tyler. Together we're Kavri. You can find us as Kavri Studios or Kavri on YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Yes. Yep. We are almost everywhere. Yay. <laughs> Thank you so much for watching or for listening mm -hmm. to this great podcast. And we'll catch you on the next What You've Been Playing Wednesday. And as always, thank you for having us. We really appreciate it. Bye. everybody, it's Rob and Anna-Marie from the Meeple Dungeon. Hello! And we are recording for the What You've Been Playing Wednesdays podcast again. And this week we're going to talk about one game, and one game only. Anna-Marie, what were we playing? We were playing Marvel Champions, the Galaxy's Most Wanted campaign expansion. That's right. And we love Marvel Champions yes, and the Galaxy's do. Most Wanted. <laughs> was some of our favorite characters, the, the Guardians of the Galaxy characters... And who were you playing? I was playing Groot, the Groot um, Protection. Protection Groot, protection yeah. And I was the Aggression Rocket, which is very thematic for both of them. Um, this game was, yeah, like she said, it was a campaign expansion, so it was much like the Red Skull expansion that came about a year ago, um, where you are working your way through several different scenarios. This one was five scenarios. And, um, yeah, you're working your way through the scenarios, and... Uh, in this particular box, you're able to uh, defeat certain cards that actually end up giving you points that you can use to to uh, spend on new cards through the right. through the campaign to edit your deck kind of as you go. Because as you know, you don't really edit your deck as you're playing through it, but you can add cards to your deck. And uh, yeah, in the first scenario, uh, we played against a villain there. We're not going to do any spoilers, by the way, for who we played against and what you end up doing in this game, but... The first uh, scenario wasn't too hard. Um, I, I think we did okay there. I think the most difficult part for me, um, and it wasn't necessarily that scenario, it was that I've never played, in all the Marvel Champions we've played, I've never played a protection deck before. Right, that was new to you, yeah. So that was yeah. very new to me, so I didn't really know what I was doing, and I found... I. I don't think I used Groot properly because I, I wasn't too sure right. how his cards work together. Yeah. And it was yeah exactly. Um, it was a bit of a the uh, first couple game. Yeah, yes. I think it was the third the third game where I actually kind of yeah. got into the groove of how he worked. Yeah, I agree because uh, yeah. I was trying to read your your cards at the same time, and it was kind of like a feeling out process for Groot yeah. and Rocket, both of them. I didn't quite understand my character either. So yeah, the first game was. Simple enough, even though we were kind of feeling things out. And then in the second uh, scenario, it got a little bit harder. Uh, really thematic, which was really cool when you take on this certain character that you'll see from the movies and comics. It was really cool. Um, and that character was actually back-to-back -back in the second and third 
um, right. scenarios, which was really cool. You you had to kind of uh, deal with that character in one way, and then kind of escape from them in a, in the in the third scenario, which is pretty cool. Right. And then we got to the fourth scenario. Hmm. And the fourth scenario was one of the most difficult things we've done in any Marvel Champions with any character. Yeah, I think it was kind of fun because the first, like I said, the first two games that we played, I was feeling out the character and trying to learn Groot. And then the third one, I was like, oh, I got this. And I did pretty well with Groot. Mm -hmm. And I was very comfortable with him. And then I'm like, okay, this will be good going into the fourth one. And then the fourth one came. And and it was hard. It was hard. I I had, what did we do? I think I did. I think I did something like 25 damage on the last turn, and I had one health left oh, yeah, with, was... with Rocket. Because how Rocket works is more or less he's useless unless you use all of his tech. He's got guns and rocket launchers. Which makes sense, yeah, right? Yeah, it he's totally makes guy. sense. Yeah. yeah, and as long as you've got a whole bunch of his tech laid out there and you fire them up every round, you can do tons of damage. But if you don't have any tech out, you are kind of screwed when you're using... Rocket. Luckily, in that game, I was able to get out enough tech that in that last round, I was able to, I think, deal out 20-something damage to take yeah. that character down. And Because I think I had one health left. I think you had one or two health left. Yeah, we finished. And I had two. You yeah, had one. And, we were, yeah. and I think the, the, uh, the scheme was at its breaking point oh, as yeah. well. Yeah, so we were, we were within a hair of losing. And I think I had to count my cards like five times to make sure that I had exactly the right amount of uh, damage that I was dealing to make sure that I was counting everything, doing everything properly, yeah. doing it all in a certain order to, to maximize it. So we got through that fourth scenario and on to the big bad at the end. <laughs> when we finished that fourth one, I was just thinking, like, oh my goodness, if this fourth one was that right? hard, how are we going to get right? get through the next I one? I totally thought the, the, the end would be even worse. But yeah. luckily we spent all of our our points yeah, that we'd been collecting. Right. So as you go through the campaign, you can spend those points as you go, or you can hold on to them and buy more expensive cards, which we did. We both bought a $7 card yeah. at the end, and they were crucial, pivotal. For our game. No question yeah. about it. We wouldn't have beat the last character if not for those two cards that we bought. So hanging on to them and buying the big crazy card the most expensive cards was worthwhile for us yeah not saying that's going to be the same for everybody but it certainly was for us yeah and and in the fact that i drew that card as well at a crucial point yeah i I got mine to use it because the card i got was able to uh i was basically able to draw two hands of cards and when it comes to rocket that allowed me to get a ton of tech out onto the board. I was able to add all sorts of laser guns and rockets and all sorts of things out onto the board so I could do a whole ton of damage. And yeah, in the end it seemed to work that I was able to knock him down just enough so that you could finish him off. Uh, again, another we were we were one oh, turn away from losing. This, again. This one though, this this last game was so again, I thought how could It'd be any harder than the fourth one. And then the fifth one came, and we just had bad luck draws oh, off of the... Oh, the uh, side schemes. The, That's right. We ended up in the the first... 
round, we had in total four schemes. So we had three side schemes, the main scheme, and then after when we did our villain phase, we got another side scheme. So the whole game, essentially, we were playing with five schemes that we were trying to deal with, and it was not easy. insurmountable, honestly. Almost. Almost, if not for (laughs) those two cards that we just bought a few minutes beforehand. And, yeah, we, we were able to successfully... Defeat the campaign. Again, I was down to one health this yeah, at the end of that one. Yeah, and I was down one. to two, three, four, yeah. I think. And so we were a turn away from losing again. So it just shows so you much fun. how great this game is. But that being said, uh, Rocket and Groot are very, very good. But they do need a lot. No, maybe not a lot, but some tinkering. Because they do have some cards that come with them. And those of you out there that play Marvel Champions knows that the decks aren't perfect. You have to yeah. buy the other decks and get the extra cards that come with the other decks, like the other hero packs, to get extra cards to tinker with your deck a little bit, take out some bad cards, put in some definitely. good cards to yeah. to uh, maximize how those decks work. And these two definitely need that. It'll be fun playing it again yeah. after we've tinkered with them a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely need to. Been talking with uh, people online uh, and, you know, going over... Uh, Oh, Jason and Julie yes. uh, from uh, Dice and Dragons. Uh, they, they've been doing all the legwork for us, so we're going to be getting uh, their notes together and uh, tinkering with the decks the way that they were talking about. And yeah, we'll play a different scenario with Give them. Give it a try. And, and see or even try the, the end scenario here again. But we are way out of time. Marvel Champions, the Galaxy's Most Wanted campaign. Awesome. Highly recommend it. Get out there and play it. Uh, this is Robin Annemarie from the Meeple Dungeon. We'll see you next week. Cheers. See ya. Hey everybody, it's Norm from Cardboard Conjecture Podcast and Bridge City Board Gamers community here in Saskatoon. And let's get to my favorite part of the segment is reading from the Facebook community what our what our cardboard cohorts have been playing out there. So let's start this off. Ash has been playing Clank Legacies. Uh Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Munchkin. That sounds dangerous. Welcome to... Oh, flipping right. Love it. And Between Two Cities. That is a fun game. That sounds like a really fantastic lineup of games that you played. Jeff. Jeff had such a full week that he sent a screenshot. And uh, let's go through as quickly. Oh, I'm so jealous already. Cloud Age. Coimbra. Fort. Maracaibo. My Little Scythe, Mystic Veil, Paleo again, uh, Praga, Caput Regni, <laughs> I love that, Caput, uh, and Viticulture, oh, one of my favorite worker placement games. That is such a fantastic uh, lineup of games. Well done, well done. Jason, Castles of Burgundy, yay. Clank Legacy, of course, oh. Oh, I'm seeing some. I'm seeing some crossover here. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Munchkin. Welcome to Between Two. Did you guys? You guys are like twins or something. So, Clank Legacy. I'm so jealous. We uh, we we just before just before uh, we went into isolation over a year ago. Now we were 
Ryan, myself, and uh, Dave and Jeff were doing Clank Legacy, and we just about got done. And speaking of, Ryan has uh, completed the Castles of Burgundy tournament this past week. Congratulations to Hans Backer again. Uh, also got plays of Isle of Cats, Targi with the expansion, and a bunch of Zombie Kids Evolution. Evolution, evolution, potato, potato. Uh, yeah, fantastic. Right on. Uh, moving down, Mike. Mike uh, has played, though, I see some crossover here. Coimbra, uh, uh, Cloud Age, Coimbra, Maracaibo, Praga Caput Regni, <laughs> Caput, Targi, Paleo, Cubitos. I've heard, you know, I've seen Cubitos. It looks, it looks interesting. Cubitos looks very interesting. Uh, Hans, um, uh, which ones are on uh, your 10 by 10? So he's, he's, inst he's instigating some, uh, some discussion there. Uh, let's see. He's talking about uh, Targi, Praga, Maracaibo, Cloud Age. Well done, well done. Sean, too many bones. Yeah, that's, I'm, that's, that looks like such a cool game. Uh, King of Tokyo, welcome to the dungeon. Robo Rally and Avalon, right on. Tim, Warhammer Underworlds and Azul. Tim, maybe we should get you onto the podcast talking about some Warhammer. Or maybe maybe we shouldn't, because I don't think my wallet can handle another another <laughs> impact. No, I'm joking. Uh, yeah, that Warhammer stuff. There's just so so much out there. Uh, Garth played Cosmic Encounters for the first time. My son was in tears. I had to hate trying to keep everyone happy and balanced. A disastrous introduction. Any of you know how to do combat games? without 11, 13-year-olds being overly sensitive to combat? Uh, hmm. Yeah. I don't know. One thing, don't bring diplomacy into that, uh, into that environment. Uh, Eli, Seven Wonders Duel, including Pantheon. Right on. I've never played Seven Wonders Duel. I hear it's pretty fantastic. Uh, Marianne played Liftoff. You know, that space game, I think it's the art style that's it's just pulling me in. I keep seeing it. Maybe I should... Nah, I got way too many games. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing this properly. Kaylee, Joanne, jo Kaylee Jo Lynn. Spirit Island. Fog of Love. Lemonade Stand. Spirit Island is awesome. Awesome. It's such an interesting puzzle to solve. It's so dynamic. It's so, the variability is in, is incredible. Yeah, that's such a great game. Such a great game. Well, that uh, brings us to the close of another absolutely fantastic episode. And uh, thank you once again for taking the time to listen to uh, what we've been uh, playing. And thank you so much every week to all the fantastic content creators out there who contribute, who collaborate to bring you this, uh, this big shiny tunes of board games. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, eh? So, saying that, remember, keep your stick on the ice and take care out there, eh? <laughs>
episode of What You've Been Playing Wednesday has been brought to you by the people from Cardboard Conjecture who are hoping that there's no more snow. But Snow in June isn't just the title of an album. 